Today on The Ticker Tapes, we hear from Harry, who by the age of just 24, had sadly lost two of the people closest to him. Yeah, we were speaking the night before. I'd sent him a couple of messages and I woke up in the morning and when I found out and I checked him and he'd read them. And I was just thinking, like, is that the last thing that he's read? So there's just all these different things that you speak about and then you think, is there anything I could have said, anything I could have done? But it's hard to do anything when you when you don't know what's going on, which is why it's so important to, to let people know how you're feeling. From the British Heart Foundation, I'm Sarah Marsh. And on the ticker tapes, we hear from people living with heart and circulatory conditions. On this episode, Harry tells me how he coped with the deaths of his brother Tom and then his mum Alison, who had been living with heart failure for more than a decade. Harry speaks candidly and incredibly bravely about how his grief and desire to live life to the absolute max inspired him to raise thousands of pounds for the BHF, how he was able to find hope in a very dark and difficult place, and why he's determined to help others speak more openly about mental health. Firstly, thank you so much for joining us today, Harry, on the Ticker Tapes. You're from Yorkshire, but you're currently living in Vancouver, Canada, with your partner Morgan. So you're joining this recording from abroad, and I have to say this is the first time I've done it with someone on a different continent. So thanks so much for making the time, because it's very early in the morning where you are. You'd initially got in touch with the stories team at the BHF because you wanted to reach out to others who, like you, might have experienced grief at a very young age. And you've said that you think it's really important to talk openly about those kind of things. So to start, I wondered if you would mind going back to around 2007, which is when your mum, Alison, first started experiencing heart symptoms. And I'm guessing you were quite young then, but I wondered how much you remember about that time. It'll probably be, what, 17 years ago now? Yeah, so quite a while. I think back then it was mainly just... um, like heart palpitations and things that she suffered with yeah. um and then over the years things progressed and she ended up with numerous different heart complications but yeah it wasn't till like the more more recent years that things really started to develop I think things were quite tame at the start and it was just heart, heart palpitations every now and yeah. again wasn't really anything that we was worried about yeah um yeah and then obviously as things progressed they got they got worse yeah, because I think it was about a period of about 10, 11 years, wasn't it, where she was sort of managing her symptoms and she'd been told that she had a slightly leaky mitral valve, yeah. but it was manageable. And then in August 2018, she was diagnosed with heart failure and she'd been yeah. experiencing quite bad leg pain and she went on to have open heart surgery in November of that year. But she sounded like someone who just took it all in her stride. I know you said she she never really let on you know, how bad it actually was. She Did she just get on with it? Was that the kind of person your mum was? Yeah, I think main, the main thing for my mum was just to try and protect us from what it was that she was actually going through. Um, a lot of the stuff that, when it got really bad, I was actually in um, Australia at the time and I sort of wasn't aware of how things had progressed and sort of the daily things that she was going through just because she'd rather not me worry. She just took everything in a stride and she was always she was always just trying to look out for us us boys. Yeah, make sure we was all right, weirdly. 
and it was her mm. that was struggling. And you're you're the youngest of three boys. Yes. Were you always very close to your mum? I mean, can you sort of maybe describe what she was like as a person? Yeah, I was definitely a mummy's boy. Um, youngest youngest of the three as well, so I always got special treatment. But yeah, she was just very kind, loving, always looking out for us. And she yeah, she'd do anything, anything to make sure we was okay, always putting herself last. Typical mum, isn't it? Yeah. As you say, mums quite often come bottom of the pile and but it sounds like even though you were so far away, you were still incredibly close. Yeah, she'd ring me and she'd be asking if I was okay. And obviously at the time I didn't know if I didn't know to the full extent of what was going on. Yeah. Uh, but now looking back at them conversations, it's just funny mm. how she just put on a bit of a front and she was asking me if if I, if I was all right. Yeah. I think you found out from your stepdad, Keith, didn't you, later, that actually sort of day-to-day her quality of life had been quite significantly impacted by this stage by living with heart failure. Yeah, definitely. Um, she was struggling to walk up the stairs without getting short shortness of breath yeah. leg pains she also suffered with like um not heart related complications but just just I don't know if it was just coincidence or just bad luck but like gallstones and things like that so she was in a lot of pain with numerous different things um but yeah she was struggling to walk more than five or ten minutes by the end yeah. without being out of breath well that sounds awful and then in February 2019 they picked up that there was actually a leak on your mum's aortic valve and this was after she'd gone through, you know, mitral valve surgery. Yeah. She must have felt, I suppose you must all have felt that it was one thing after the other, after the other with her heart. It just was seemingly never ending. She was just going through so much. Yeah, it it just felt like they'd find one thing and get to the bottom of it, manage to fix it up and then in the process of fixing that up, like whether she were getting tests done or whatever, then they'd find something else. And it was just, yeah, as you say, it just felt it was never ending. There was always something. That, and But she she just plodded on and took it all in a stride and kept going. I think that's the thing that people don't tend to realise, or maybe they people are aware of it, but they don't talk about it enough, that when someone is diagnosed with a heart condition, obviously the patient is impacted, but the whole family you know, loved ones are impacted as well. So many people are impacted by heart disease and your family's living proof of that because all of you knew how much she was going through and it takes a toll on everybody, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, for my stepdad, especially, um, at the time it was just my mum and stepdad living together. Um, Everyone else had sort of left home. So he was dealing with the the day-to-day things that not really anyone else saw, like struggling to walk up the stairs and always feeling nauseous, struggling to eat, couldn't get off the Mm. sofa and just, yeah, all that stuff obviously impacted him a lot. I know he really struggled with it all. Um, But as I say, they both just sort of just supported each other and tried to not bother anyone else as as bad as that sounds. Well, I think it does impact carers, like you say, and your stepdad was obviously sort of caring on a day-to-day basis for your mum and that, that is incredibly difficult. And then in October of 2019, your family suffered another huge shock when you lost your older brother, who very sadly took his own life. And that must have been incredibly difficult for you, Harry, and for your mum. How did you all cope? I don't know how you really put into words the kind of 
the trauma that you must have all been through. But if you can, could you maybe tell us how you sort of got through those those first few days and weeks after you lost him? To be honest, I don't really know. Um, I got a phone call off my auntie uh, probably about three in the morning because I was in Australia at the time, yeah. around three in the morning. And I don't know, I just had a, a weird feeling. It's like my auntie doesn't really ever ring me, like we speak on Facebook and whatever, but I thought for her to be ringing at that time, I just had a sinking feeling. I didn't dare answer the phone, so I just let it ring out. And then she rung again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I told my partner and she was like, you need to answer the phone. So I answered and she just said, she said they found him. Uh, basically, he'd been missing for maybe 12 hours or something. And mm. We was obviously asleep at the time. And then she just, yeah, she just said that they found him and he's not alive. You had spoken to him really recently, hadn't you? you and he, he'd been speaking to you about coming out to visit you guys in Australia. And remember you saying that you'd had no idea how low he must have been feeling and that must have been very difficult for you yeah I just it's just so weird because none of us in our family ever expected or we we knew that he's he, he was suffering to some extent he just recently split up with his partner he was having to find a new place to live um mm. it just started a new job so there's there was things but no one knew to what extent he was suffering never let on to anyone, never spoke to anyone. So it just came as a massive shock. No, Nobody expected it whatsoever, no. which made it 10 times worse because you sort of don't have any way of preparing for something like that. Yeah, we were speaking the night before and just, yeah, I'd, I'd sent him a couple of messages and I woke up in the morning and when I found out and I checked him and he'd read them and I was thinking, like, is that the last thing that he's read? Yeah, we were speaking about him coming out to Australia. He was going to come live with us for a little bit and try and save some money to help buy a new house. And so there's just all these different things that you speak about, and then you think, is there anything I could have said? Anything I could have done? But it's hard to do anything when you when you don't know what's going on, which is why it's so important to to let people know how you're feeling. Yeah, and I, I remember you saying that one of the main reasons that you had wanted to share your story. And your mum's story was to speak about the importance, as you say, of asking for help, reaching out if you're struggling. And that's become really important to you, hasn't it? Talking about that, you know, getting people to talk about mental health, but also to say, do you know what? I'm really struggling. I need help. Yeah, I think for me, that's been my personal way of dealing through the grief is talking about it and maybe getting other people to talk about it before we lost Tom. I've never really had to worry about mental health or mm. even even thought about it. And then after losing Tom, sort of suffered a little bit myself with mental health yeah, and realised how important it is that you do speak about it because, like, the last thing I'd want is another friend or family member to be struggling in silence like my brother and me not being able to be there for them. So, like, I feel like... I've I've had quite a few people reach out to me since my brother and mm. doing all the running and stuff and I'm yeah. quite vocal about how I how I am with my mental health and people do reach out and and speak to me so that's yeah. that's one good thing I can take from it at least at least people feel like they can speak to me about it and yeah be that shoulder to cry on sort of thing 
Yeah, absolutely. And just like you say, the importance of sharing stories, sharing experiences, which is obviously what the ticker tapes is all about, because sometimes it's just feeling like you're not alone. You're not the only person going through something like this. That can make a difference, can't it? Yeah, definitely. Like, it's so easy to feel isolated when things like this happen. And if you've not got a strong support network around you, it's, I imagine, very easy to to go on a bit of a downward spiral. So yeah, it's always good to have that one person to talk to. It doesn't have to be family or even a friend. Like there is support groups out there and it might be easier to speak to yeah. someone who's sort of impartial. Um, sometimes it's easier. People don't know the circumstances, don't know your friends and you can sort of be a bit more open and less likely to be judged. Yeah, no, exactly. So you've spoken really eloquently about obviously the impact that losing Tom had on you, um, but obviously it had a huge impact on your mum losing her yeah. son. I believe I'm right She in saying she went on to have a suspected mini heart attack after losing Tom. And then over the next few months, she was in and out of hospital quite a lot. When she found out about Tom, she had a mini heart attack pretty much on the spot as soon as uh, the police officer had informed her. Uh, mm. And then I think after that, it was just one thing after another and she never really got back on top. And, yeah, I mean, people say people die of, of a broken heart. And I honestly think that's what may have may have tipped it sort of thing. I think if yeah. my brother was still here, maybe my mum would have been too. I don't know, but... Yeah, it's it's tough. It's you're losing one person and it sort of led to losing another. It's yeah, pretty hard to hard to face. Really, really hard. Those next few months were very, very difficult for all of you and in terms of physical health, it was obviously really difficult for your mum and obviously your stepdad Keith was caring for her day to day. Um and in July of twenty twenty one, eighteen months after you yeah. lost Tom. Keith called you to say that your mum was very ill and this was while you were still in Australia obviously and then she died just a few hours after that phone call. Yeah um it rung me it rung me early in the morning I was on my way to work and he just said oh just to let you know your mum's in hospital which I knew she was always in and out of hospital so I wasn't really not that I wasn't worried but it wasn't something abnormal so I went to work that day and I finished I remember him giving me another call as I were on the way home. And just the words that he used, he said, oh, your mum's gravely ill. And I thought, oh, that's a bit of a weird way to say it. So I've got me thinking, uh, got home, uh, spoke to my partner, and I said, I think I need to go home. Yeah. Within an hour of that conversation with my partner, he'd rung back and just said, I'm really sorry, but they've, they've given your mum 24 hours to live. Um, wow. You're not going to make it back in time, so you need to pluck up the courage and have a phone call with her because uh, it's probably going to be the last time you ever get to speak to her so yeah and then got to say goodbye she was still sort of coherent um she didn't really she couldn't really speak but she could understand what I was saying mm. uh, and then a few hours after that phone call she she passed away can't imagine and you you were 20 23 I think it was just before your 24th birthday would that be uh, right? yeah it will have been yeah yeah a few you days before my 24th you were so young I mean to go through 
the loss that you had gone through in that couple of years at any age is so difficult, Harry, but at the age of 23, 24, it must have been incredibly difficult for you. How did you get through those first couple of days, especially when you were, you know, travelling home? Because it took you a couple of days to get home. Yeah, I think, weirdly, being over there as much as I wanted to be with my family, because I had so much to think about and I had to, we had, we'd just moved into a new apartment. So we literally had to sell all our belongings. My partner was up through the night, listing everything on Marketplace and getting rid of everything before our flight. We had to get COVID tests before we could fly home. Um, Obviously then arrange our flights and stuff. So we had so much to think about. Sort of took my mind off. It just sort of kept me, kept me busy until I got Mm -hmm. home. And then it was when I got home and obviously saw all my family that's break down and, well, then you're with your family and you can support each other. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it was tough. I think one thing that you have said to me before that if anything, you wanted, if possible, something, if something positive could come, which, which may not be the right way to word it, but you wanted to, to do something positive in memory of Tom and of your mum because you said it made you realise how short life is and you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold it and and that sort of that spurred you on to think about your own heart health didn't it and then that led you to the start of an incredible fundraising journey yeah it was um one of my brother's friends actually had done uh, a running challenge in memory of my brother to raise um some money for his little boy and mm-hmm. I just loved, just loved how how much of an impact it made, um, yeah. and people getting around him, and he seemed to really enjoy it, and it sort of gave me a little bit of an idea, and I was just like speaking to him about it, I was saying, what can I do, and sort of came up with this idea of running five k a day for a year, <laughs> and everybody told me I was mad, and sort of it was a bit too much pressure on myself after everything that happened, and mm. but for me, I just wanted to do something tough that. I could sort of dedicate to their memory and that was the reason why I was doing it and I could push through those tough days just just to sort of remember them and as yeah. a as, as a thank you for for them and everything that they did for me as well. It gave you that real focus and I know you you hadn't really been a runner before which I think is incredible you sort of yeah. you literally literally went from not obviously fit and healthy but to running 5k a day every day and the other thing was that you completed the challenge over three continents which is amazing because part of it you completed in the UK part of it in Australia and part in Canada is that right yeah yeah Yeah. that's right yeah yeah so it was a it was a challenge in itself obviously with the long-haul flights and time differences and uh, stuff like that but it was good fun uh great experience yeah oh that's amazing and I remember you telling me this amazing stat that when you finished, you'd actually run the equivalent of running from Keithley in Yorkshire, where you're near where you're from, to Rome. Is that right? You'd run an incredible distance. Yeah, it was actually, I think it ended up being around 500 k's more than that because it was 5k wow. a day, which was Keithley to Rome. But some days I ran further, um, just, yeah, depending on the day and how I felt. That's, yeah, just incredible. <laughs> and you raised more than £14,000 with that year-long challenge. Yes. And that money went to a charity set up in Tom's name. But then 
not content with raising that incredible amount of money, it was also really important to you to go on to raise funds for the British Heart Foundation as well. And in August 2023, you ran seven marathons in seven days in the UK. um, And you raised more than £2,000 for the BHF, which is amazing. Why was it so important to you to raise money for the BHF? Well, obviously, initially, I did the first challenge. So I dedicated that to my brother and a charity that affected him and um, our family. And then I wanted to do something in memory of my mum. And... I mean, my mum obviously had a lot of heart complications and there's quite a few people in my family that have suffered with heart issues as well. So it just shows how much effect um, and how many people are affected by heart complications. So obviously the the research and support that BHF provide is very important. Um, It affects so many people. The BHF do provide a lot of information and support to sort of heart hospitals and cardiovascular units. A lot of the pamphlets and materials that are produced, that are given out to people, are produced by BHF. So that that is really good to know that that support does make a difference when you're in that situation, because knowledge is so important, isn't it? And like you say, heart disease impacts so many people, but often until it does, you don't know much about it. So knowing that there is that information and support out there can be really crucial yeah so when you were doing the fundraising for BHF you say that was what you wanted to do in memory of your mum Alison did you feel like during both those fundraising journeys that you felt like Alison and Tom were looking down on you sort of willing you on oh definitely um especially in the the seven uh, seven marathons in seven days because it was so mentally tough as well as physically but um there was a lot of times where I felt like I physically couldn't go any longer. Yeah. I really wanted to stop. The only thing that kept me going really was thinking that I'm doing it for doing it for my mum. I feel like a lot of times in my day-to-day life, I'm quite busy and I try and put all them thoughts to the back of my head and I don't really give myself a chance to think about them. Um, mm-hmm. Whilst I'm running, obviously you've just got your own thoughts and you're just out on your own. So it did give me that opportunity just to sort of take time and think about them and remember the good times which I wouldn't usually get in in my day-to-day life so it was it was nice yeah sometimes you go out and you spend half an hour and just reminiscing sort of thing so definitely felt it did my mental health good. I think that's really important I mean obviously being healthy is important for heart health but as you say it's good for well-being as well isn't it because it's it's that headspace where life is so busy for all of us, but carving out a little bit of headspace, as you say, to sort of yeah. sit with your thoughts and allow that process to happen is is really important. So yeah. you're such a good ad- advocate for that. I wanted to come back to, you know, the reason why you reached out to the stories team at the BHF, and we're so glad you did, but you said that you wanted to let people know they're not alone when they lose someone, whether they lose someone to heart disease or to a different condition, you very much wanted people to know that there is hope and there is a way forward. And although grief is this overwhelming thing, you can put one foot in front of the other, quite literally you did. But (laughs) I wondered, sort of looking back now, you know, sort of two and a half years on from losing your mum, 
How are you doing and how are you feeling about the future now, Harry? For me, I think the easiest way to sort of get through something like that is, I always say like problem shared is problem halved. And the more times that you share a problem, the less burden you feel from that problem. And obviously you've got more people to sort of speak to about how to overcome these sort of things. So mm. yeah, for me, I, I think the best way of dealing with something like that is just just speaking, just even if it's just talking to someone, having a conversation about your mum, your brother or whatever that you've lost, just um just yeah, just trying not to brush it under the rug. Um for me that's it's along with running, that's been my sort of therapy as such and that's mm. how I've managed to deal with it. So basically talking is good, talking openly and sharing stories is good, but what would your advice be, lastly, to someone I guess a young family member, any family member, but someone like yourself, someone in their late teens, early 20s, um, who is either living with a heart condition themselves or, you know, has a family member with a heart condition. What would your advice be to someone like that who's wondering, you know, how they are going to get through the next few days and weeks? I think as always, the best idea is to take it one day at a time. If if you've got something that you're really struggling with and looking at the bigger picture and longer term can sometimes be quite difficult and overwhelming. So, yeah, as, as you said earlier, just one step in front of the other. Little goals, um, set little targets and just, just work towards t- tomorrow. And obviously just, yeah, one step in front of the other to try and, try and see you through and stay tight as a family and friends. Thank you. And... I guess last question, and I kind of touched on this, but what do you think your mum would think about, you know, the incredible fundraising efforts, but also your support for the BHF? What do you think it would mean to her? I think she, I think she'd think I was crazy for the for the challenges. Um, she'd have probably been telling me not to do it, but um, I know she'd be super proud, especially raising money for BHF as well, and and sharing a story and hopefully that helps somebody else in in the process as well well listen thank you so much it's been lovely to talk to you and really appreciate you being so frank and candid about topics that aren't easy to talk about um so thank you so much for your time and thank you for appearing on the ticker tapes today thank you very much cheers sarah the bhf understands that when someone is diagnosed with a heart condition it also impacts their whole family and takes time for everyone to come to terms with it. We're here to offer both practical and emotional support, whether you're the patient, a loved one, or a carer. Visit bhf.org.uk slash information support to see the different ways we could help you. You'll also find many stories of other people living with heart disease on our website, in our magazine, Heart Matters, and of course, right here on the ticker tapes. If you've got any questions or concerns about your heart or circulatory health and would find it helpful to speak with a cardiac nurse on the BHF's free heart helpline, go to our website at bhf.org.uk slash heart helpline where you'll find all the contact options. You'll also find useful information in the episode notes and on our website bhf.org.uk. And if you've got your own heart story or have any thoughts on this episode, please get in touch by emailing theTickerTapes at bhf.org.uk. See you next time.
on the ticker tapes. <laughs>